This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Pain is, is the purpose. It, it really is here to teach us and make us appreciate all those things in life. I mean, that, you know, what, what kind of story is a good story without the, you know, with, with no pain? It's, it's dynamic. It's built by design. So some of this may be a little more extreme than the others, but ultimately, you know, people like myself who've been blessed with the opportunity to share the message, we don't have a choice. Today's an incredible day. I don't care if you hate sports or not. You're going to walk away from this episode going, gosh, how can I be a better, braver me? T-Shane Johnson joins the show today, a Marine vet, motivational speaker, Rotarian, author, athlete, a real-life Superman. You probably have seen him on TV interviews nationwide spreading his incredible message. So we'll be catching T-Shane mid-journey on his Hike Across America tour. He took off on September 11th from Ground Zero, and he's now out to raise $1 million to help military vets in need. Right now, he stopped in Virginia to speak, and once he hits Central Florida at the beginning of December, he's going to be breaking a world record while carrying 100 pounds on his back. Insane. So this is definitely a story you do not want to miss. And before we get started, thank you to our sponsors, QuickTrack, the easiest way to create and sign a contract. All done on your mobile device, get paid within the app upon completion when the job gets done. Go download the QuickTrack app for free today from the App Store. QuickTrack, spelled Q-U-I-K-T-R-A-C-T, QuickTrack. You will not regret it. All right, T. Shane Johnson, here we go. So excited to have you here. So happy to have you on the show. You're a true inspiration to us all. Multifaceted man, a true athlete, a veteran, best-selling author, coach, motivational speaker. The list goes on and on. Uh, so we've got a lot to dive into here today, and I can't wait for you to share your story. So uh, it's just so wonderful to have you here. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the show, and I'm, I'm honored to share our mission and message. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, first off, you are a Marine veteran, so just want to thank you so much for your service as well. Yes, ma'am. My pleasure. So you're kind of busy right now. I'm catching you on the road, just a little bit busy, um, in the middle of your fourth hike across America tour. So for those of us who don't know, uh, what, what does that all entail? Oh, boy, a whole bunch. Um, so in, in a nutshell, over the last four years, I've traveled across the country running uh, probably a little over 7,000 miles. Uh, so wow. most of the time it's, it, you know, depending on the year and the topic, you know, uh, we focus on homelessness issues or things in the country that just need to be addressed. And, um, you know, so over the last three years, I've, I've worked with the homeless sector and raising awareness about that cause in the veteran community and teens and children, so on and so forth. And, uh, so this year, hopefully our message is about leadership and family values so that we can kind of get back to the source of all the issues that we've seen over the last three years and see if we can make a difference in uh, that way. Wow, that's incredible. So you are sharing that message, but you're also uh, doing something pretty incredible. You're setting out to break not one, but two world records, is it? Yes, ma'am. I believe, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so we carry a, So this year I do 1,100 miles carrying a 100-pound pack every day, um, doing anywhere between 12 and 22 miles a day. 
And uh, so foot on the ground, I'm 1,100 miles. And then we attempt to break the first world record uh, at ODU, um, Old Dominion University football game during the halftime of the college game. Mm -hmm. And that will be the fastest one mile carrying a 100-pound pack in less than 15 minutes. And then after I do the 1,100 miles, if I can still walk by that point, um, I'm (laughs) going to break the fastest marathon carrying a 100 pound pack in less than six and a half hours in the space coast. Wow. So how confident are you that you're going to break these records? I'm a Marine. We always break the records. It's just what we do. It's going to, it's going to happen. Okay. All right. This is exciting. And that's, that's happening so soon. It is. ODU is right around the corner. So we've been, uh, we've been actively training for that. So it's, it's interesting because I do the 12 to 22 miles a day, but the first leg of it, we really trained for that one mile. So uh, this morning, um, my, my pacer, Marcus, that kind of goes along with me and helps with the project, uh, we were running, keeping up at about a seven and a half minute mile with the hundred pounds on this morning. So we were, we were moving pretty fast, uh, you know, doing some hit training with that. Mm-hmm. Well, most athletes, even in their prime, would never take on a challenge like this. What kind of toll does it take on your body? And how, how do you have to train for each of these uh, races? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I mean, I'll each out a house and home. I mean, I don't really look like a, a normal runner, I think. I have probably a heavier frame to me. I think probably, you know, I'd have to say being a Marine it plays, it plays a huge factor in this. I mean, it's just in the, you know, a matter of mind over matter, right? So if you don't mind, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, and just a, just a pain tolerance, like in anything else, you know, in athletics, it's just pushing yourself beyond the barriers that normally you would. But as far as like actual training, I mean, you know, I've been training for this for the, probably the last six to eight months, carrying that 100 pounds everywhere. I'll be glad to, to put it down and probably never pick it up again. But, um, you know, but it, it is uh, it is pretty grueling. I'm not going to lie. Out of all the things I've done, I have to say this one's probably the tough, toughest. Just to get up and down with that pack off the ground and put it on is, is challenging. But, um, you know, like anything else, you just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, push yourself a little bit further, a little bit more, you know, try different strategies, different techniques. And. Next thing you know, it, it starts to get somewhat normal the best it can. How did you get into this in the first place? Uh, which part? The the hiking portion? Yes, the hiking portion. Yeah. Because that's pretty intense. Yeah. So um, I actually, uh, back in, let's see, geez, this is 2019. So 2015, 14, 15, I owned a mortgage company in Central Florida. And I was working with a real estate agent up in Panama City. And she was telling me about a, a gentleman named Mr. Mike. And uh, Mr. Mike had his left leg amputated. He was a Vietnam veteran. And, and it, he ended up getting gangrene in his left leg. And not really because of anything oh combat related. He just, uh, just, just salty and, you know, just didn't want to ask anybody for help and had, didn't have the right and proper transportation to get to and from the VA hospital. And, and there at the time, if you wanted to go to the VA hospital, the closest one was Pensacola. So all these veterans had to walk anywhere between 8 to 15 miles a day. You know, in their 60s. Um, sleep on park benches and, you know, just to get to a bus, it would take another two hours. And that was amazing. Just, just, you know, for one, how the military trains you and the way that you think even at that age and sick, you still won't ask for help and you push through. I heard more and more about it. And I just thought, you know what, I got to make a difference. And, you know, the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. just something about, I guess, different than other branches. I, I can't really say I didn't serve in the other ones, but, you know, for us, it was, it was just the physical side of it. You know, I think it's a way for us to connect and, and a new challenge, a different high for us. So I got back and thought I had to do something about it. And we put together this platform to kind of start hiking. It was kind of before it was a commodity. You know, a lot of people are doing it now. But mm-hmm. we, yeah. um, we we decided like, you know, hey, we're going we're gonna to do 22 miles a day for 22 days straight. And we're going to really get out there and, and build a platform to you know, raise awareness. And, 
Next thing you know, it just seemed like it caught on like wildfire, but I noticed that it was more about connecting with people in the community, um, seeing different perspectives than what social media allows. You know, social media is really a mirror, a retargeting platform that only lets you see what you want to see. So, and um, and then we, we were onto something. So we just started spreading the message across the country. And four years later, here we are. And you can relate to so many of those veterans that you talked about because you struggled at one point and, and you were homeless. I was, yeah. For two years, um, I lived out of my car, um, which, you know, I, maybe at the time I didn't like it. But looking back on it, I'm very grateful for that opportunity. You know, it allowed me to uh, to develop the strength to help me build, you know, three companies that over 40 million a year in sales, you know, right after it. So um, I'm very blessed for that opportunity to be homeless because, you know, without that, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. So I'm very thankful for it. And backtracking a bit, I mean, I can't even believe the things that you have been through. I want to talk about the horrible motorcycle crash that you suffered and looked death in the eye. I don't want to spoil the entire story, but take me through that deadly ride to Corona and your road to recovery that has led you here. Yeah. So that's the craziest part about all this, right? Like the fact that I can even you know, run, much less carry a hundred pounds. Yeah, or walk. Right, yeah, right. Or breathe or do anything. So um yeah, in two thousand and one I was stationed at Camp Pendleton. I was with first reconnaissance battalion and I just um uh, I just taken the end doc to go from infantry at third battalion fourth marines and twenty nine palms to leave to go to first recon. And um we were going through kind of a an OJT program at the time. Um it was uh, what they call RIP, Recon Introductionation Platoon. And we were just some, some newbies and we were going through it. Think of it like a tryout. So we're going through the class and when we were getting crushed, uh, a lot of the operators were getting ready to go to combat dive school. So they were doing what's called pre-scuba. And we were just training all day, every day, you know, five miles up, five miles back, 1500 meter fins, you know, pull-ups, push-ups, um, water aerobics. I mean, you, it was probably the best shape of my life. And we finally got about three days of liberty where we were able to just kind of head out. And I had a good friend of mine's family lived up in Corona. And another friend of mine was going through sniper school at the time. So he had some, he had a break. So he, he dipped out. We, you know, we'd go up there all the time. I took my motorcycle. I was just like, I'm not, you know, I didn't want to get, a, get you know, picked on because that's kind of how it works. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you're the new guy, you know. So I was like, I got to get off the base yeah. and get out of here. So um, we, I got on my bike and, and went out the back of the base. And at the time there was a, a specific gang that was targeting military when they were coming out the back of that, back of that gate towards Fallbrook area. Really? And, you know, in the military, when you, when you go in and out to the base, you have a certain amount of gear that you have to, to wear, you know, because you're government property. So you've got to have this jacket and these shoes yeah. and all this fun stuff. So, but in Southern California, I'm 20, 21 years old. I get off the base. And of course, the first thing I do is take all that gear off and <laughs> switch to sun's out, guns out mode, you know? Um, so, you know, typical, typical young Marine. And I get on the bike, I start to kind of head down the road. And as I'm going down it, uh, you know, normally you've got a car going to front, there's a turning lane, they'll turn left, and then you'll just go straight through that lane through the light. But when I did that, they they turned right instead to hit me, to T-bone me. And I felt the corner of a brick house at about 45 miles an hour off the bike on my chest and um, broke my entire chest plate in half, uh, my collarbone, my shoulder blade, my right hand. Um, all of my ribs were broken and shattered. Uh, and then what happened when that happened is all of my ribs started to puncture all of my major organs. So it cut my kidney, my spleen, my liver. Um, my lungs had three fifty cent size whole pieces in it. And my left bicep was lacerated and I was bleeding out. Um, set aside bleeding out, I was actually starting to drown in my own fluid and my blood because my lungs had been punctured and all of the blood and the cuts from the inside of my body were starting to fill into my lungs. So 
when I hit the ground, they uh, they robbed me, um, left me there for dead. And of course, the neighborhood and the gang, nobody nobody would help out. So I uh, put my right hand over my left bicep to try to stop the bleeding. And I got up and I walked two blocks, uh, bleeding out all over the ground to a fire station. And the doctor said that when I was doing, I was taking one full breath every minute. So imagine walking two blocks, taking a full breath every 60 seconds. Um, fortunately, I was going through all of that that scuba training. So you know, again, I was I was in pretty good shape. And I got to the uh, fire station and just kind of went down on a knee and you know, pull of blood. And they kind of they ran out, and there happened to be a doctor on site. And they brought in a helicopter, put me in the helicopter, and I remember laying there. And the the doctor was, you know, they were talking to me, and there was a young lady. You know, I remember I, I honestly closed my eyes most of the time, so I wasn't looking around. It was just such a crazy time. And I remember cussing. You know, I normally didn't cuss. I was kind of a, a, a straight-laced kid growing up, kind of strict dad, so I didn't really cuss much. But I remember cussing because they had a scalpel, and he had to cut. A, uh, a hole in the right side of my chest to run a tube through so that oh they could release gosh. all the fluid. And of course right. they can't give you any pain medicine or anything, you know, so you just have to, and he, he says, all right, I'm getting ready to cut you. And I was like, well, you know, do, do whatever you got to do. When he did, I mean, it was just, it was just like taking a pocket knife and, and just slicing you right open. And um, he took a tube about the size of your thumb, ran it right into my, my chest and had to bust through the skin wall on your rib cage, which is probably the most painful out of everything. And you could feel that tube running all the way inside of your body and, and going in. And when they did, I just looked, finally opened up my eyes and looked to the right. And all of that fluid just poured out all over the helicopter floor. Um, and I remember starting to, to cuss when I could somewhat get my breath. And, and I heard the lady in the background talking. And I kept saying, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to cuss. I don't mean to cuss. And she was yeah. like, sweetie, you, you say whatever you need to say, you know, at this point. And she's like, I, you know, you're good. And then once that happened, of course, my lungs just, you know, they, they, they shrink right up and I, I couldn't breathe. And I started to, um, started to pretty much die. I flatlined at that point and then they paddled me, uh, brought me back. Uh, we landed, they got me into the hospital, uh, tried to put, you know, start to put the tubes in me. I flatlined again. Um, they got the tubes in, they got me all situated, I think. And then I flatlined again. So it was three times technically that I oh died. Oh my gosh. And then, um, yeah. So I had to learn how to walk, talk and breathe again. I lost about 54 pounds in two weeks. Um, it took me about three months and I think it, I want to say it was CCU and I went to ICU and then, uh, they couldn't even take me back to the military base because they didn't want to move me. And, uh, and then I think it was six to eight months later, prior to nine 11, I was pretty much fully healed. Um, I was back at least swimming in the pool, uh, back in the gym again, training every day. And of course nine 11 happened. Um, I was able to, I had the opportunity to deploy my unit at the time and I was back operational as far as health is concerned. And, um, yeah, so I ended up getting out of the military with, um, with no disability rating, no problems, no issues, you know, about a year and a half, maybe total later and, and went on to doing all this fun stuff. Oh my gosh. I mean, you do hear about so many veterans who suffer from, you know, injuries and things outside of combat, but to come out of it and be able to be fully functioning is just incredible and such a blessing. Yeah, I think, you know, that's why when someone says to me, um, you know, when they ask me the question about, you know, why I do this and what's behind it, you know, I think there's a canned answer, right? You can get into the specifics of all the things that I do. But on the third time that I flatlined, um, 
you know, I get asked all the time as a speaker, you know, did, did you see God and what was your experience with that and what happened? Mm-hmm. And I've only met probably two other people that have died and we shared the exact same story. Really? And I said, you know, I said, what happened was, is I was on the third time and I just, the pain, I, I can't explain to you how bad the pain was. And I was sitting there and I remember it was almost like an, it was literally like they say, an out-of-body experience. I, I swear it was exactly like that. And I'm not a spiritual person by any means, you know, I, I, you know, I mean, just, it's not like I made this up. I yeah. mean, it really just happened. Yeah. I came out of body, you know, I'm looking down at myself and it wasn't like a physical being. It was more of a subconscious thought. And they said to me, uh, you can give up and that's okay. Like it was comforting. It was like saying, it's okay to give up at this point if you want. And all the pain went away. I felt absolutely no pain whatsoever. And it says, you have two choices. One, you can give up. And there's no pain and it's okay. And you're okay. And you'll go on and and we've, we've got you, you know, in essence. And the other part of it was, or you can live, but you're going to feel a lot of pain and you're going to have to share the story. And that's exactly how it went. And I was like, man, I'm, you know, 20, 21 years old. I just got out of my small town. I just got out of the Marine Corps. I was, you know, I just wanted to live my life. You know, I, I grew up with pretty, tough childhood and I was just excited to be seeing the world and accomplishing my dreams and I said you know I kind of took it uh, like an entrepreneur I said well at least I know that if everything was to fail and and it didn't end up right I know where I'm going to go in the end and what it's going to be like so I'm willing to take the risk in the shot and uh, and I chose to live and so here I am today you share that story when you are on your speaking tours? Oh, oh, I have to. Yeah, absolutely. It's part of it. I mean, that's, that's what it told me to do. I have to share that story with other people. And again, I've only met about two, two other people that have, have died like me. And when I tell the story, it's almost like they're vetting, uh-huh. you know, they'll come up to me and they'll go, uh-huh. I shared that exact same experience. You're right. You know, you know, we are, we've been viewed differently or, or, you know, had that conversation. It's, it's really creepy yeah. in a good way. You know, it's just, but it's just, yeah, yeah. you know, they come up to you and you're like, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, you do get it, you know, so. Wow. Okay. That's kind of, this is kind of off topic, but where did, where did you meet these other people? I mean, there's not like a Facebook group for this. Yeah. But... <laughs> That's a good idea. I probably get a good following. Maybe. Yeah. Check that out. yeah. Um, <laughs> I met a, another lady that was a Rotarian. She was probably okay. in her seventies and she had a heart attack. I was speaking there and I shared the message and she comes over crying and she goes, you've been touched too, huh? And at first, you know, you know how people are. You just never know. You kind of, yeah, okay, yeah, you know, and yeah, you yeah. deliver a good speech and they're like, oh, they're connected. So, you know, I was like, well, yeah, I guess, you know, and she goes, she tells me her story and the things that she said to me, I was like, oh my God, you have been there before you do know. And she says, you know, it, we're here to share this message so that other people knew. And it was like chills go up on your arm, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, we're, we're really little in the world, you know? Um, so it was a, a Rotarian and uh, another gentleman that I met that also had a, he had a stroke and he went through a really bad experience and, and we shared the same message. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. Wow. And I mean, I'm going to say this again, but the fact that you were able to come out of that experience with your body fully functioning is is huge because you're a testament to how much we can accomplish no matter what we've we've been through. Yeah, I, I still can't figure it out. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I you know it's funny. I I was at um I was on uh, Fox Good Day BC this morning and I ran to um, Bobby Lashley, the the WWE wrestler, and he was mm-hmm. on the same 
this morning as I was. And, you know, he's a big guy, you know, and he's like, he's like 270. I think I'm 245, but he's, you know, a bit, bit taller than me. Mm-hmm. And um, he says, uh, he goes, well, what are you doing? And I said, well, I, I run with a hundred pounds every day. And he was like, how, how do you even do that? Like, yeah. He's like, you know, the training I do and everything else. Like, How do you run with a hundred pounds? And I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I was like, I, I have a high pain tolerance, I guess, you know. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's a, a training thing. I think it's just, I don't know, God's work and a, and a little bit of uh, some nerve damage that maybe makes it a little easier for me to push through. <laughs> oh my gosh! But it's it's almost all you know. It's who you are. It, it is. It's it's bigger than me. You know, I think it's. You know, to get the opportunity to share messages like this on on shows like yours, to tell people like, you know, it's okay, right? Like, life is tough. Like, every day you're going to get a left hook in the teeth. I mean, it it really is going to be that way. And I think we need to embrace that. I think, you know, we try to run from it so much. And corporations are designed to alleviate our pain so that they can make a bunch of money. When, in fact, pain is is the purpose. It, It really is here to teach us and make us appreciate all those things in life. I mean, that, you know, what, what kind of story is a good story without the, you know, with, with no pain, if it was just a great story. It, yeah, it has to be there. It's, it's, it's dynamic. It's built by design. So some of us may be a little more extreme than the others, but ultimately, you know, people like myself who've been blessed with the opportunity to share the message, we don't have a choice. It's, you know, I get asked all the time, why do you carry a hundred pounds? Why do you carry a hundred pounds, Shane? And I'm like, well, it's, it's the burden of leadership. You know, leadership is something that once you accept, you can never put down, you can never run away from it. You can never stop. You know, it's like being a parent. The second you become a parent, when I became a father, you know, to my daughter, you know, I knew that I had to be a leader and being a leader is not sexy. It's not fun. It's not the person out in the front getting all that, you know, the accolades. It's the person in the back that has to grind, that makes kings, that makes queens, that, you know, in, in builds confidence in, in a young lady so that one day she can, you know, walk out there in the world and take over it and not have to look for it in all the wrong places, you know. So it, it really comes down to uh, the fact that I was given an opportunity to live and spread a message and endure a lot of pain. And I'm okay with that because it helps a lot of people. And, and uh, I can sleep well at night because I know that no matter what happens, there's a great place for us all. What would you say to somebody today who has hit the rock bottom and doesn't know how to climb out of it? I do get asked that one a lot. And I think it's, it's there's not really a how, right? I mean, there's not a blueprint to everybody's life. I mean, we, yeah. I'm sure yourself. I mean, we've all been through something. If we're not going through it right now, I mean, you know, we You're all think our problems it. are the worst, yeah. worst problems. Yeah. Just know, like, it, it, no matter what I say, it's not going to change anything. I'm going to say, hey, everything is going to be okay. And you're still going to think you've got your own problems. But I've always learned something from the Marine Corps. It taught me the biggest lesson I ever taught was no matter how tough it gets, no matter how hard it gets, how much the pain is, just put one foot in front of the other. That's it. Just keep your feet moving. Never, ever stop. Just one foot in front of the other. If it's a small shuffle, that's cool. That's okay. Just another one and another one and another one. You know, um, and it's what, what is it? Winston Churchill says, when you think you're going through hell, just keep on going. And that's, it's definitely the best quote ever. It really is. Just keep your feet moving and keep going. Okay, so if any of you out there are entrepreneurs like me and need to sign contracts on the fly all the time, I've got the perfect app for you. It's called QuickTrack. With plug-and-play templates ready to go, it makes creating and signing contracts so quick and easy. You can get it done in less than 60 seconds and get paid once the contract has been fulfilled. Go download the QuickTrack app for free today from the App Store, QuickTrack, Q-U-I-K-T-R-A-C-T, QuickTrack. All right, back to the show. 
it's so interesting that you talked a little bit about our corporate world and it's almost like we're just slapping band-aids on everything and not really dealing with the problem. But you have found success in the corporate world in a sense and been able to build all of these businesses. What what inspired you to take that route? I don't do very well taking orders from other people. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get that. I, I'm a rogue. Yeah. I mean, I you know, look, uh, I was just having this conversation with a new client today. And she was overthinking her okay. entire business, right? She just, well, I've got to build the brand and I've got to do this and I've got all these things I need to do. And I was mm-hmm. like, listen, I said, you know, you know what? I think I scare people in the corporate world when I, when I work there is the execution, massive execute. I didn't wait around to think about it. If it was an idea, I literally would implement it right then. Like I didn't sit around. I didn't overthink. I didn't question myself. You're not waiting for permission. No, absolutely not. I mean, what's the point? I already know. See, I have an advantage though, because I know what the alternative is. I know that no matter what I do in life, I'm okay. So I can take those risks. It's almost like thinking you're immortal per se. It's like, you just know. So why wait for life? It could be taken from you in seconds. You know, why wait for those opportunities? Just take the action. If you want to build something, do it. You want to dream, do it. You want to be anything, do it. Just, just, just do it. Who cares? So when I talk about my businesses, if I have an idea or a brand, I just do it. Okay. I don't care if it fails. Like that's good. It's supposed to, it's, again, it's built by design. I want to fail. I want to say, man, I made that mistake. And okay, now I can preach to others. Like here, here's what you need to do. So, you know, most advice I give most of my clients when I'm coaching them, is like, look, man, just, just do it. Like, don't think of anyone else. If it's your idea, your baby, you want to make it happen, you know, do it. And if not, hire me and I'll kick you right in the back and make sure you do it. So, you know, it's just, yeah, I, it's the weirdest thing about people. I don't understand. I, I, I do have to say that's a, a frustration of mine is that people second guess themselves. You know, they, they're, they're so worried about what other people think and they, they get in this mindset that, that they can't be great. And it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's, just, it's ridiculous. I, I, I blame corporate marketing. I blame corporate marketing for years. I always have, I, I always blame them. You know, the big box companies telling us what we should wear, what we should do, how we should think and what's cool and what's not cool. And especially for women, you know, when I had my daughter, you know, I was very fortunate. I, I, if I ever find the real dad, I don't know what I'm going to do, but she's gorgeous, you know? And, um, you know, I joke, I'm actually her real dad. But um, she just she just really <laughs> cute, so I don't know how 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 she ends up that way. But you know, um, I look at her and I speak to a lot of women across the country. And the first thing I always do when I start my stage is I say, you know, pull out a mirror, pull out your phone, look at it, and tell that person that you're looking at how beautiful they are. And you don't need it with makeup, you don't need it with clothes, you don't need it with anything else, and you dang sure don't need it from anybody else. Just look at yourself and tell yourself how beautiful. And you'd be surprised how awkward people feel doing that. I mean, it's so easy. It's so yeah. easy for someone to be like, oh, God, I don't look great. Or, oh, I look fat in this. Or I do this. And it, but, it, but it's so awkward for them to compliment themselves. And when I look at my daughter, and, and let me tell you, look, it, the byproduct of three years of working with the homelessness is, is realizing that it's, it's an insecurity thing. It's the fact that a CEO or a company or an owner or a salesperson is so perfect at developing developing relationships with someone they don't know, yet they suck at doing it with their family or their home or their partner or their children. And if they spent more time being the CEO of their own home, the return on the investment would be ridiculous. And the thing is, is they spend so much time trying to get a return on investment on this business 
of people that don't really appreciate them and what they're doing and when they fail, when in fact, the most return on their investment is sitting right at home, especially with your children, especially with a little girl. I can't speak for boys, but for my little girl, everything I do, when people ask me, they want this, well, why do you do it? It's for her. What, I mean, what else is there? I want her to know that her father is willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that she's the most important person in the world, because I'll be danged if I'm going to let some little knucklehead boy do it. You know, so for me, I want her to know daddy loves you. I'm here for you. You're beautiful. You're cop. We do it all the time. We ride the car to school and I'll say, you ready, Charlie? And she'll say, okay, daddy. And I'll say, you're beautiful. And she'll be like, I'm beautiful. You're wonderful. I'm wonderful. You're smart. You're awesome. You're amazing. And I'll tell her all the time, did I tell you how amazing you are today? And she'll be like, no, daddy. I'm like, well, you're amazing. You know, and it's just our little thing. And she'll say it to me all the time. She'll send me messages. I love you. You're the best daddy in the whole wide world. You're amazing. You're smart. You're awesome. And I know that it's working you know, me spreading that message. So I think it's important for people to, to, to understand that, to remember how, how amazing they are, you know, especially for women, they need to remember how important and amazing they are just wonderful creatures. And I, I don't think we do a good enough job of telling them that. No, you're so right. And I think I know the answer to this question, but y- your daughter, how, how proud is she of you and all you've accomplished? Oh man, she's probably super proud, but I think I'm more proud of her. You know, it's like, I'm her daddy. So I think she it goes without saying, you know, but for me, um, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. You ever been in love with something so much, you don't even know how to put it in words. I mean, that's, that's probably the best way I can explain, you know, for my daughter. It's just, a, it's a, it's a ridiculous love. I mean, every time you see her, it's like your heart stops, your stomach gets fluttery. It's, you know, the personality, the connection, it's just, it's amazing. It's like, it makes me tear up just talking about it. It's like, it's just, she's my best friend. She's my best buddy. You know, she knows me, we connect. She's, you know, I'll go get my hair cut. And as soon as I come in, you know, four years old, she's like, dad, you look so handsome. You know, and it's like, wow. You know, like, you're just like, thanks, sweetie. Like, you know, you're awesome. You know, and she just, I don't know. She's a very intuitive little kid. And, and to me, knowing that everything I'm doing leaves a legacy for her, you know, I always think about that because I have experienced death. You know, I think I think about that all the time, like, you know, our third book that 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 I put together was she and I on the cover. Um, and, I, you know, when I, I developed it, I, I wanted to make her a co-author because, God forbid, if something ever happened to me, I wanted her to be able to look back yeah. and say, you know, you and daddy did this together. You know, this is something that you have to remember forever. So, um, it's your legacy. yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. My little buddy. Well, speaking of, you have two books already out, but you've got that third one coming out. What is it? Is it next year? Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, what we can expect? Yeah, that's done by 2.30. So it is a, um, Okay. Uh, it comes out in January and it's the, again, the cover is my daughter and I, and you know, we're, we're looking at each other, sharing, sharing kind of a little, our, our typical story. I'd look at each other and the idea is created, it goes back to what I was talking about with CEOs. It's a platform that allows you to accomplish all of your goals by 2.30. And the reason for it is if you have children, obviously if you don't have children, it's a little different. I'm sure you can pick up some stuff from it. But mm-hmm. ultimately, it's to be there for them when they get out of school. You know, we're, we're so built in America to just 9 to 5, 9 to 5, 9 to 5, 9 to 5, 9 to 5. Or when you're an entrepreneur, 24-7. And we brag about it. Like, we're, we're idiots. Like, we literally yeah. we justify how important we are to each other by how much we work. Oh man, I work so many hours. Oh, that person's a hard worker. You know, and I hate that. It was like, I would rather someone be like, oh, they're a phenomenal dad no, I, or parent uh, or, you know, yeah. they're, they're, they're a great partner, but we justify everything on how hard we do. And, and look, people like Gary Vaynerchuk and all these motivational speakers, you know, they're always so big on, you know, you got to do the grind and rise and grind in these motivational videos. And I'm like, wow, like really, 
you know, like I wake up every day for my daughter. That's first and foremost. I don't wake up for some corporation business or a piece of paper that's a bartering tool just because a human says that it's worth a lot mm-hmm. of money. You know, I wake up every day going, hey, my little girl's got to get some breakfast. Let's make some scramby eggs. Let's get some pancakes. Mm-hmm. Let's get this day started because that's how, I mean, it's selfish. It's, it, it, when I see her happy, I get a ton of energy and I can go take on the day, you know? Yeah. Um, so, right. so done by 230 was a concept of, you know, parents taking more control of their life and developing a platform where they accomplish all their goals before that time. So they can make sure they're either at the bus stop or picking their kids up from school. Because you know, if you've ever, you ever been to a point in your life where you travel a whole bunch and I always feel like an airport's like the happiest and saddest place in the world. Right. Because, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. when you get, when you get off the mm-hmm. flight and you walk, there's somebody there for you. And it's like, Oh, Wow. But if not, it's kind of depressing because you're watching everybody else, you know, and everyone's like hugging and, oh, man, it's so great. And you're like, well, I'm kind of a loser. Nobody likes me, you know, and you walk off. And I always think about that for children when they get off the bus. It's like, you know, when they get off the bus or out there waiting, they're waiting for the most important person in their life, you know. And if they've had a bad day, you know, they're waiting to see that person. It's, they're just the anticipation and everything. And I just wanted them to develop a platform where, you know, the parent's standing right there. They're involved, they're engaged, and they can come and give them a big old hug, and they can start the, the, the most important part of their business, which is their family time. Wow, that's incredible. Well, and I love that aspect of it, too, because we tend to judge each other so much in the sense that if you're a parent, you either need to be 100% a stay-at-home parent, or you need to be out there doing the hard Houred work of bringing home, you know, all the bringing home all the all the money, and I hate that there's that decision that you have to make, and it, and it shouldn't be that way, and there should be no judgment there. Yeah, well, and but again, that's that's how we value each other is based on either income right. or our jobs or everything, and it's like, man, you know what? I don't I don't care because if I lost everything, she wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. You no, know, she just wanted to know, you know, am I happy? Yeah. and that's all that matters. So it's. Uh, so hopefully that book um, shares a message to kind of wake people up a little bit, make them realize that uh, the most important business they have is sitting right at the house. And quick little recap on your last two books, um, which people could go out and get today. Um, what what are those ones about? Yeah, so Hike Across America is kind of a, a memoir. It tells some crazy stories of me growing up out in the country and some experiences um, and how I convert those either into life or sales um, and convert some kind of funny stories and, and it kind of connects with people in a little way. And it talks a little bit about my 3000 mile journey, my engagement with the homeless, um, how I was able to run three successful, you know, multi-million dollar companies, um, while I was doing this and raising, you know, 150,000 in funds and helping over 10,000 people along the way in 65 days. So it talks a little bit about that and then keep your feet moving is really seven, seven basic principles to get you through tough times. So it's just seven habits that, you know, you want to implement throughout your life and day to kind of make things a little bit easier so that when you're struggling a little bit, you can go back to the basics of these disciplines and, and hopefully help you achieve a little bit more. Well, it really seems like you have something for everybody, no matter what they're going through in their life. Yeah, I don't know about all that, but, you know, I mean, like anything else, I think some of us are put through a little bit more pain than others yeah. so that we can share the message to, to help more, right? So it's a handout, not a handout. Well, any last piece of advice that you want to give to our listeners, especially while you're finishing up this uh, long journey you have ahead? Um, I think more for, for parents. You know, in the last three years, I've met so many homeless people. And every time, 99.9%. I've asked them, do they have a father or mother in their life? And they've said no. And, you know, 
I really, really feel like if they had somebody in their life that thought they were important or they were valued or paid attention to them, they wouldn't be where they are. And so I, I tell the parents that are out there, like, listen, you know, try not to get caught up in the noise of life between social media and business and bills and everything else we think that's important. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you know, look at your partner and say, I love you. You rock. You know, uh, take your little one and squeeze the fire out of them, annoy them every single day to where they, they, they hate it, you know, because one day they're going to really appreciate it. You know, hug them, love them, tell them how important they are. And make sure that, you know, if you're a dad and you have a daughter, you know, say two things. I trust you and you make good choices. And I think that if uh, we did a little more of that, we probably have a lot less, a lot less people on the streets you know, looking for, uh, looking for that attention in all the wrong ways. Absolutely. I can't wait to see your name in the Guinness Book of World Records. I mean, really, it's all online stuff now, but, you know, I'll watch out for it once you break those upcoming records. This is so exciting. Yeah, I appreciate it. We'll make sure we we, we tag you when we uh, we, we break the first one. it's done. Yeah, okay, you got it. when it's a done deal. Perfect. <laughs> Sounds good. I will continue to watch your journey and uh, share it with everybody because what you're doing is amazing. And I hope that just a couple people, if they can take a little piece of advice from what you shared with us today, um, that would really, you know, that would really help just make our world a little bit better of a place. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your show and share the message. I, I really, uh, I really appreciate that. To donate to the Gary Sinai's Foundation supporting military vets and help T. Shane complete his journey, go to the episode show notes. I'll have everything posted right there. Or you can hit us up on Instagram. You can see T. Shane's profile. Follow his journey. We've got lots of ways to make sure that you can donate um, or send a text, a quick little way to show your support. My name is Dave Knittle. I'm Christian Knittle. And my name is Matthew Knittle. We are the three hosts of the Bros Talking Soccer podcast. You may have noticed that we all have the same last name. Well, that's because we are brothers, bros, talking soccer. Get it? On Bros Talking Soccer, we talk about what's happening in American and European soccer. We also have interview episodes where we talk with guests working on grassroots projects in American or European soccer. Follow us on Twitter at BT Soccer Pod or visit our website, brostalkingsoccer.com, for more info. All of our shows are recorded on YouTube, where you can come interact with us as we record. Bros Talking Soccer is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Just search Bros Talking Soccer. Hope to talk to you again soon.